Papermen meet such interesting people. Coming up on the Media Project, Alan Shartok, Rosemary Armeo, Ira Fussfeld, and me, Rex Smith, with a look at the media issues of the past week. We'll be looking at the shooting in Buffalo and the media coverage of that. We'll look back on the primary election. Could more have been done to be clear about what those candidates stand for and what is the media responsibility? Those topics and a lot more are coming up on the Media Project next. Interesting people. They wallow in corruption. Papermen meet such interesting people. They know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably off the record about some charming people I have known. For I meet politicians and grafters by the score. Killers plain and fancy, it's really quite a bore. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They wallow in corruption, crime and gore. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, city desk. Pull the press, pull the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's a mess meets the test. Oh, newspaper men meet such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the press. Media Project gives you a half hour of analysis and commentary by some veteran journalists. Veteran being a euphemism for old. We are very grateful. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Anyway, yeah. we're grateful to have you with us. I'm Rex Smith, formerly editor of the Times Union. That's how old I was. Here with Dr. Alan Shartok, of course, the CEO of Northeast Public Radio, with former publisher Ira Fussfeld, longtime investigative journalist and uh, professor Rosemary Armeo. And here we are. We're going to talk about media issues. You know, a couple of big things have happened since we last sat in this studio. There have been some primary elections. There was a racist shooting in Buffalo. We might uh, talk about that. Alan, you know, here, let me start with you on the Buffalo matter. Sure. Because we have here a mass homicide in which the shooter parrots a line that is widely discussed in the media, widely advocated by some media hosts, namely on Fox News. What do you make of that, and what do you make of any potential solution that might affect the media here? Well, Rex, I'm glad you called on me. There are... Because <laughs> I was so thinking unusual of... unusual that yeah. he did. I was thinking of maybe just, you know, bypassing Ignoring him. Yeah. I'm glad you called on him also. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I'm, That's but enough, I, old guy. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I thought when you said we were getting a little older, and you know, here I am about to be in July, eighty-one years young. That's wow. not bad, isn't it? That's impressive. Did you forget you the question? Should, I just want to help you. You out here. should see the look on Rosemary's face. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, gang, the question again, Rex, was... What do you make about the fact that, in effect, the shooter is parroting what he's heard on Fox News? I'll be very blunt about it. 
Well, look, people hear stupid, insane things from their parents sometimes. They hear them from their colleagues at school. I remember that very well. In the sixth grade, it was already beginning the racism and the rest of it. I happen to have a mother whose dedicated purpose was to put a stop to that on the west side of Manhattan, and she did try. She didn't put a stop to it. But it is a phenomenon that people who have differences often exploit those differences to their own advantage. And so you have people going around saying racist things, telling racist jokes. You know, I worked in the United States Congress, and an amount of ethnic humor that was there was extraordinary. I mean, these are congressional people. These are people in office telling terrible jokes, which would make you blush. So we are a racist country. We have racist tendencies, which is that one group sees itself better than the others. But of course, it all comes to haunt us. That's why we have anti-Semitism. That's why we have the kind of racism we have where blacks are concerned. That's why we have these people who think it's perfectly all right to go into a supermarket and kill people. It's extraordinary. Does that answer your question, Rex? Well, but the the difference, the kind of rhetoric that you're talking about, Rex, and other kinds of similar rhetoric are not necessarily new to this country. I think what is new or what has evolved in this country is the means of communicating it. You know, there were always people in this country who were racist and who talked in the dark corners of their lives. They hid under white sheets, though, rather than appearing on Fox News. Now, Fox News is the most visible and the loudest megaphone is by far the only media outlet, if you include the word broadly internet as a media outlet. The the dissemination of the racism and anti-Semitism, etc., is much louder and and more, more easily done than it was historically in this country. We've lost shame, too. I mean, in another time, Rupert Murdoch would not need a nasty letter from uh, the Senate to do something about Tucker Carlson. It's just unprincipled what he's doing. And a worse but related problem are politicians who have no principles, no shame. Elise Stefanik, I'm talking to you, who come out with this stuff. And you have to report on She is a powerful woman. God help us all. And she's espousing this. So is it really a media problem or is it the problem that the media is supposed to tell people what their leaders are doing and thinking? And it isn't good right now. And as for the rest of the media, those of us who think that maybe racism is something we should not be promoting, what are our options? We either censor, which is abhorrent, or we keep talking out as we are right here saying this is a really dangerous and bad thing. People are dying because of it. But is there any kind of a solution that you can do? Is there a a statutory approach that could have an impact without running into First Amendment problems? You know, Fox News was absolutely unshamed by this. Tucker Carlson, as you pointed out, has used this replacement language over and over again. He was undaunted, in Mm -hmm. fact, said, took his own tack on hate speech. He said hate speech is what the left hates, right? That it is defined by what the left hates. And so the, the question is, can anything be done to diminish this without running afoul of our free Well, let's put it this way. Let's take a look at it. You make a very good point. Rosemary, of course, as always, is making a very fine point here. But what happens if we say to the Federal Communications Commission, you go after Fox News and tell them that they should be ashamed of themselves and that you're not going to let them do that. The next week, Trump will be reelected president of the United States. This is just, you know, a possibility. 
And he will say, okay, since you went after the conservative community here, I'm going after the liberal community and saying to my FCC, you have to tell those people that they can't use those kinds of arguments on the air. That's where we are. And my heroes like Rosemary know very well that once that kind of stuff starts, you're done. I can't see a statutory remedy for this because of that very thing. It isn't permanent, it isn't enforceable, and it it will rebound to people who want to speak. The problem is getting worse, too, because we're now seeing legislation, Florida, for example, Texas, where you can't even talk about some of these issues in school. It's verboten. So not how these you, issues. Well, you can talk come about. on. We're really close to it, though, Yeah, we're really close, it, but it's not— Critical th- race theory and exactly. racism, we're, we're right on the line of oh, what we can I discuss. Oh, I thought you were talking about uh, being unable to talk about violence and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, yes, no, right. no, no, no. I mean, close. well, you can't protest in certain places. Yeah. Let's look at that, too. Mm-hmm. It's related in Florida. Now you can't protest in front of— anyone's residence. It's a stupid strategy. We shouldn't be doing that anyway. But to make a law about it, isn't that the what happened to the First Amendment? And instead it'll go to a 6-3 conservative court that's likely to uphold it. There's no statutory or legal remedy. This is going to come about from education, from the sort of articles that the New York Times did on Tucker Carlson analyzing what he said and how often he says it and how insidious that perpetration of propaganda is. We're in a bad place. Well, I agree. I'm, I'm very pessimistic. I'm pessimistic about the fact that it's raining this morning as we speak, so I can get pessimistic about anything. But But you didn't walk three hours. (laughs) No, I did not. But it seems to me the only remedy to Rex's question, uh, to speak to Rex's question, is the voters of this country going to the ballot box and voting for democracy, because there are so many clearly undemocratic with a small d candidates out there. The problem is that those people need to be joined by a very large swath of people in this country who simply don't believe what the rest of us believe because they're not hearing it from the media outlets that they have chosen. So you have the disinformation being spread out there widely, and it is not information that would say to those people, oh, well, I'm not going to vote for Trump or Trump acolytes. So it's hard to be optimistic about an election. And it's even made worse when you look at, for example, in Pennsylvania, if the Republican gubernatorial candidate wins the election and then appoints a secretary of state who will not uphold election results, you could win an election, quote unquote, win an election in Pennsylvania and wind up being the loser because they won't certify your results. So, so let's talk about that. Doug Mastriano, because this has a media aspect to it. Doug Mastriano is a now Republican nominee for governor of Pennsylvania. And a prominent January 6th protest. He ascribes to the big lie. He says that there was no legitimate presidential election last time. What is the media's responsibility for dealing with that? Mastriano, even in his victory speech, he's bashing the media. I mean, he's he's basically an election denier who mm-hmm. is on the edge of becoming governor of one of our largest states. How does the media call out that sort of thing without appearing to be biased and turning off a whole well, share? Let of the me electorate? add an asterisk to that whole issue: is at least in his last public campaign event, he had the media blocked from entering and covering it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. By the way, that's similar to the fact that the Republican National Committee has taken a position that nobody will be entertained as a nominee of the party who does not refuse to participate in the Presidential Debate Commission debates. That is, the Republican nominee for president, the RNC has already signaled, 
is not going to participate in any national debate with yeah. Joe Biden or whomever the Democratic nominee is. So, yeah, there's a whole notion of just shutting down the conversation around politics, the rational conversation. And how do you cover that without being declared on one side or the other when only one side is talking about rational debate and talking about facts? How, how do you deal with that as a journalist? How do you, how do you, <laughs> you heavily. <laughs> how do you reconstitute our society? Yeah. I mean, after all, these politicians wouldn't be doing this stuff if they didn't feel a good portion of the American public are with them. I mean, I think exactly. that that's what's so scary about and, the whole And thing. they are. I mean, we're in yeah. this boat now because Pennsylvania voters, primary voters, crazies, the extremists go out in primaries, so we know that, but they put them in this position. And there aren't enough people who think rationally who also take the time to go out and vote. I saw that in school board elections here where dissenters, disruptors were running throughout the Capitol District. And we, other people, realized it only at the last minute and turned out happily. But that was so close. And we have to keep it up. Democracy is hard work. And the mm -hmm. Republicans, the conservatives, have learned over the years that you play a long, slow game. You keep after abortion laws for 10 years, 20 years before you get what you want. And now they're going after elections, and they are going to change it unless we do something. I don't see any action for liberals, for people who do think rationally and who are worried to actually take a stand, which means going to institutional meetings like school board meetings and town board meetings. It means voting. It means studying issues so that you know that inflation is it's an issue. But it's not the only issue. It doesn't trump election denial and all the other things, and abortion and the control of the Supreme Court, all issues that need to be considered when you're voting. The media, I don't see a solution except to keep slogging away and just keep reporting on all of this. Well, the one potential solution, although it's not a media solution, is if you look at the race that Congressman Cawthon lost, two points about it. One is he lost, we believe, in, in large part because the GOP establishment rose up against him. And there's got to be more of that from the GOP establishment finding a spine and campaigning against the real radical right Only wing. because he accused them of having yeah. uh, sex parties. Right. The pessimism in that race is that while Carthon lost, and good news there, he still attracted a considerable Huge. number of votes in yeah. that district. Yeah, it was very close. Who's walking into the ballot box and voting for this guy? Why are they voting for this guy? And that's back to my original or earlier point. A good portion of the American people are responsible for what their representatives Absolutely. are saying. But, but, but are they responsible because they have been pushed by the media outlets such as Fox and their darker allies? Well, if they are, then shame on them. Marjorie Does, Taylor Greene is awful, but the media didn't create her. The people in her district support and love that. They still support her. There is one thing that the media should consider, and that is our obsession, rightly so. I don't think it's it's overly done, but we see everything in terms of Trump. Trump supports J.D. Vance, and he wins. And there's more to it than that. Trisa Bourgeois has talked about this on the roundtable. There's tons of money going into J.D. Vance and other elections. Peter Thiel, the arch-conservative, media-hating PayPal founder, put tons of money into Ohio. That's hard to counter. The Supreme Court, in their latest decision, it's as bad as Citizens United told Ted Cruz, yeah, 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 take as much money as you want from campaign finance, the money that you've collected. Money fuels everything in our country, including elections and perceptions of candidates, and the media's got to do a better job calling that out mm -hmm. loudly and often. 
Well, and risking repetition, I think. You mentioned Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, who has aired ads echoing replacement theory, the same language that the shooter in Buffalo used precisely. And she denies that she is a supporter of replacement theory. But if you look at that ad, it is exactly what it is saying. And I think that our media need to be relentless in pointing out to people that this is the case. I don't know, Rex. I think those of us who have been watching her, for example, have been rather relentless in calling her out, but I don't know that it makes much difference to the constituency that has been gerrymandered into voting for her. How about what the role of Disney has been, for example? Is their bruising in Florida indicative of the difficulty? Disney stood up Mm -hmm. to the governor of Florida in the don't say gay bill as we shorthand it. Is there any sort of a sense that there could be a standing up to Rupert Murdoch, to Fox, so that there would be financial pressure applied? Is that a fair way to look at poor media performance that is inspiring some of this? Do you think Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, would be as popular if she weren't echoing stuff? Is there any other freshman congresswoman, including AOC, that we hear as much about as her? And she has no committee assignments, no real power. It's all media power. That's a really good point. And we do, in the media, love the extreme weirdos because they make good copy. Mm -hmm. They make interesting, exciting copy. Trump proved that. Mm -hmm. Trump was an amazing draw for people to vote because they had never seen anything like him. And we create that. But what's the alternative? Not cover her at all? Just Mm. ignore her? I always am nervous about that. What would you have done if your assignment was to cover the Mastriano press fundraiser that I alluded to the other day and you were told, sorry, no press allowed? Would you write a story saying no press allowed? Would you go around left end and try to get the story? I mean, it sort of generates itself. Yeah, you try to get in somehow. Here's an example. My daughter worked in campaigns in Las Vegas. She was a political organizer. And, you know, Las Vegas has a lot of gated communities where you're not allowed to get in. She would find a way to get in. And I think we need that kind of reporter who find a way to get into places. Except you don't know that the guy who was dressed like a colonial soldier who was blocking the press from getting in, we don't know what kind of weapon he's carrying. It's a little bit dangerous, too, in this Everything is dangerous in our society today. Go to the supermarket and you can end up dead. So, I mean, journalists who are going to be that nervous about their personal safety, really you should think of another field. It is dangerous to do what we're doing now. Is it unethical for a reporter then to wear a MAGA hat and to go into those places posing as a supporter? No. Mm -hmm. Right. I agree with you. I think it'd be all right. We ordinarily say as a report, the old rules where uh, you have to identify yourself, let people know you're a journalist, be out there. I think that we're at a point where you, if you need to gather information through stealth, do it. Mm-hmm. You admit it in your article or yes. your broadcast. Yes. You say, I wore a hat, you know, it burned my head, but I wore it so I could get <laughs> in and tell you the following. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, the other thing that you're seeing more of in all newspapers, which is my frame of reference, is what we used to call editorializing in that they'll say, Mastriani, comma, an anti-democracy. Yeah, you're seeing that now. And, yes. And you're getting more of that as the press feels the need rightly so, to report on this so people understand clearly what's going on here. And yet, Ira, the moment that somebody hears that kind of disclaimer or whatever, they're going to say, there goes the press again loading the game. Yeah, you can't win by being honest. I I always use 
Fred Hyatt, the late great editorial page editor of the Washington Post, came out on Trump right after he had been selected as the nominee and said, we will never endorse him. He is a danger to democracy. And everyone saw that, everyone meaning in the press, as so brave, you know, standing up for what you really thought and defending it eloquently and with evidence. And instead, he was seen as biased. The Post will never cover him fairly. The press will never win. We will always be the bad guy. Trump has schooled us. Look how long it took us to be able to say, this guy's lying. Now we do it routinely. It works against us in some quarters. But were we better off when we were saying, the president, who appeared to be mistaken in his statement, (laughs) were we better off when we did that? One caveat, and that is nothing we say here in defense of the press should ever be taken to me to mean that we don't think that the press doesn't occasionally make mistakes. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And when they do, they should be held responsible, too. I mean, the first thing that the press will always yell is, you see, our enemies are getting on us, and that's an abrogation of freedom of the press. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the interesting elements to Rosemary's point about the fact that people are being more direct people, that is, in the media, more direct about saying things is, I heard an interview on NPR in which a an ordinary citizen, a voter, used the phrase, the big lie. Why are you voting such and such? I think you need to be opposed to the big lie. And the very fact that that term came out, which is a term that now is widely used in the and media. most of us understand. Pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And yes. so if Donald Trump is identified as supporter of the big lie and his acolytes and everybody else who is, well, that is basically what the Republican Party is these days. Most of the people have to believe the big lie if they're going to have success. In it's similar Party. to this, but more problematic to me is that Democrats and Biden is widely acknowledged to be terrible at their messaging, that there are many good things about his administration, and the word it's not getting out is completely overshadowed Mm -hmm. by inflation. Does the media have a responsibility to make him look as good as he really actually is? Well, they do it all the time. If you think about it, I was listening to NPR. I don't always listen to them because I don't always believe what they're doing. Nevertheless, they go to great pains to point out what Biden is doing that other media outlets don't do in terms of his trips and what he's putting on the table. So I don't know. Um, You know, the moment you do that, you're going to be accused of bias, but I don't care. But you know what happens is it gets overshadowed. It's not only inflation. Do you know what the most mentioned topic on social media, the most repeated news coverage on social media, April 4th to May 16th? Johnny Depp. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Amber Heard, Johnny Depp was by far second. Elon Musk. Then comes Joe Biden. Then comes abortion. Then comes the Ukraine war. Then comes inflation. Then comes COVID. So why is that? Celebrity, incredibly unbelievable uh, trial. It's just outrageous. It looks like a movie. Saturday Night Live did their open on it. They're pretty tuned into what's playing. Right. So it's what interests people. That is, this is not saying this is what the media is focusing on. It is what people are picking up from the media. Aided and abetted by incredible ignorance on the part of the American people. Uh, Well, I I don't like to use the word ignorance. I would use the word gullible. I would like to use the word ignorance. (laughs) (laughs) You can be both. Well, you know, the far right has found the secret sauce by a game plan of seeing a story or a topic that they feel that they can pick apart and run with 
often disingenuously or simply lying about the subject. They have a book of here, we're going to start this, and it's going to go to this, and it's going to lead to Fox News, and, and all of a sudden it is a scandal, and they'll see if it takes root. Sometimes it doesn't take root, but often it'll be the only story of the day throughout Fox News until they get their next marching order. You're right. We saw that with the leak out of this, uh, out of the Alito brief on abortion, right. where the right immediately switched to, uh, oh my God, who leaked this document, which is not even a crime that most people can see. It's yeah, but it was kind a of a violation. Yeah, it was totally a distraction, and they're really good at it. You see it on social media. Again, to go back to the school board, supporters of these disruptor candidates began saying, we're not really in favor of banning books. We just want to move the matter in appropriate libraries. Like, why should Atlas Shrug be in an elementary school? And the left and the media have to answer back, what's the harm of a nine-year-old picking up Atlas Shrug? What's the worst thing that can happen? Mm. It seems to me adults reading that book have been the problem, not kids. Right. A conservative friend of mine asked me the other day, well, so if you don't support Governor DeSantis's legislation about speaking about homosexuality in the elementary schools, what is an appropriate age to be begin to talk about that? I said to Crib. Seems to me that, you know, that's fine. So it becomes couched in terms that do not favor rational conversation. And stuff in this social media gets to be so wild. There are a lot of untrue things that get pushed out there that make even this kind of conversation seem rational. Ukraine using cats to spot Russian sniper yeah. lasers. Wow. <laughs> that's not true, you know, but it has been widely disseminated in social media that cats are finding snipers lasers. I mean, the first thing is Russians are using lasers where you can see where the shots are coming. Why? That sounds pretty stupid. <laughs> I'm training my cats to, to yeah, look for snipers around me in case there's protesters in front of my house. There could be. This could happen. Mail from listeners. By the way, if you're just tuning us in, this is the Media Project from Northeast Public Radio. Alan Shartok, Ira Fussfeld, Rosemary Mayo, and I'm Rex Smith. Here's a letter from, oh, this is actually specifically addressed to you, Rosemary Armeo. How about that? That can't be good. Dear Rosemary Armeo, you asked recently, this is probably on last week's show, which I'm afraid I missed, why Jen Psaki only wanted to stay a year, that is, leaving as press secretary in the White House, a fact that was widely reported since before Psaki took the press secretary job. I'm not a veteran investigative reporter. As I am. <laughs> Sorry. But the public record shows that Psaki is the mother of two young children who left a television job to work for Biden. Perhaps Saki was trying to balance the needs of the country and kids. What I can't tell well, there's more. Why did you take the job it's in the a, first a, place? It's a really rude letter, and I'm not going to respond in the same tone. I'm going to take it as a serious question. There are many reasons that I think that that's a valid question, and I still have it. Yes, yeah, she said she was only going to stay a year. So did Biden. He's staying longer. Why isn't she? What? What's, Biden said originally, I'm only going to run for one term. Not, oh, not one year, oh, but one, one term. Oh. Oh, it's similar, though, you know. Uh -huh. I yeah. still predict he'll only go one term. Well, but, it but might be. But you don't take that as gospel. No. Second, you can be the mother of two and also have responsible jobs. In fact, Biden is a father. That's really sexist. I'm not even going to respond to that. Three, we pay her salary, so her job satisfaction or problems in the job are our concern. Four, when people leave an administration, that is a news story. It indicates managerial problems or other problems. For example, Kamala Harris's may. problem. It, it may. may. Yeah. It's worth the question, Rex. It's worth the question. And Kamala Harris's yeah. problem-keeping staff has been a legitimate news story. So I, of course, wonder about this. And fifth, you want journalists who ask about everything. I don't yeah. consider whether a, there is no rude or inappropriate question. Hence, your letter gets this attention. Well, that last point is the 
best. I like that. There is no inappropriate question, really. I, th- I mean, I used to ask provocative questions that were couched in a way that might make somebody flip out a little bit as a politician because they're so rehearsed. You almost have to ask in a way that is going to provoke a powerful answer if you're going to get through that arbor of the rehearsed answer that these politicians yeah. have. Politicians win if they can convince journalists that certain things are off limit. Nothing should be off limit. When I was in Florida, we had a new mayor in a, one of the places that we covered, and he was accomplished and handsome and uh, dynamic. He was an amazing guy, and he was single in his 40s. I made the reporter go back and ask about his personal life. The reporter was outraged, went to the publisher, and I argued, this is not a rude question. He can choose not to answer it, but we have to ask it. If Florida is a place where gay rights are under attack, of course we had to ask that. He said, no, well, he just didn't find the right woman. I don't know if he's lying or not, but I I never apologize for asking a question. Do you find that there are reporters out there, particularly new ones coming into the business, who are loathe to ask yes. stuff because you know, they're afraid. They want oh, yeah. to be pals yeah. with the report. They want to be friends. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, the worst thing was under the Kennedy administration where Kennedy was a genius at making friends, pals of the mostly men, all men who covered him, and they overlooked made, things. He also they, made friends among uh, people Among the who... women, too. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> but we didn't know that at the time. The I reporters think, knew it, I but think, we didn't. Well, How sick he was, though. what a womanizer he was. We didn't cover because we wanted to be his buddy. Yeah, but your point is well taken. The reporters did know it. Yeah. And they didn't tell everybody. It wasn't the way journalism was done in those days. Yeah. And we FDR. have outgrown that. Right. FDR. Exactly. One of Kennedy's best totally friends. Totally paralyzed. The public mostly didn't know Right. That. And one of Kennedy's best friends was Ben Bradley. Yeah. Who was covering him uh, for yeah. Newsweek. To my, to to my point. Yeah. 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 So we're out of time, amazingly uh, enough. How could that be? We're grateful that you've joined us for this time. Alan Shartuck. Rosemary Armeo, Ira Fussfeld, and I'm Rex Smith. Gratitude always to our terrific producer, David Gustina, for giving us these interesting topics to talk about, and to you folks for joining us this week on The Media Project. Freedom of the 